welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Miss in Movies. I'm Erin. Um, I want to thank you for joining us as we dive into our favorite movies and learn about fairies, trolls, mythical monsters, and folklore. Um, I hope everyone is having a lovely little winter. January is always sort of a weird month because it's like, you know, it's not as fun because you Christmas has already passed, so you're not really anticipating it anymore. And now you're just kind of stuck in winter with nothing really to look forward to. Like, it just seems like spring will never come. Um, a lot of people hate January. I don't have any problems with January. I always feel like it's sort of like a free month. You know, like nothing's really going on. You've done Christmas and you don't really have much going on now. I, however, have had a lot to do. It has really been snowing here in like the past week. And it hadn't really been snowing that much. Um, which obviously we need snow. That's how we get most of our water. Um, but <laughs> snowing, shoveling for hours is not exactly fun. It is good exercise. And that's like my one like thing. Like, okay, at least this is good exercise. It's good for me. So last night it snowed about two inches in about an hour, which is a lot for us. Um, usually we get like maybe half an inch, an inch, and that happens over the course of a day or like a whole night or something. So um, I went out and shoveled. Yes, I am bragging about how I shoveled at 830 at night. And um, it really was such a smart thing to do because this morning I was able to just clean it up a little bit. And um, I really didn't have to work that hard. So <laughs> kudos to uh, Aaron. Uh, I really took care of future Aaron, which is nice. So I hope you all are having a um, wonderful January. And um, for a little treat, I thought I would tell you a ghost story. Usually we focus on a monster or a Greek myth or some sort of folktale. Lately, we've been doing Disney princesses, which I'm totally into. Uh, but this week, I wanted to investigate the Hammersmith ghost. So I had kind of heard those words before, but I hadn't done any research. And uh, I just had no idea what slash who the ghost was. So I'm going to tell you all about it. Aren't you a lucky duck? Um, so this will be a lot about history. So it's not that scary. Um, you know, you don't need to, uh, you don't really need to cover yourself in your blankets or anything. It'll be all right. I'm a total scaredy cat, um, except I'm still like totally fascinated by ghosts and scary stuff. So. Uh, I try not to listen to ghost stories because inevitably I wake up in the middle of the night terrified something is under my bed. But uh, this story didn't really scare me. So hopefully it'll be all right for you. So let me tell you about this ghost and we'll do a little campfire tale. Gather round campers as I tell you the tale of the Hammersmith ghost. Once upon a time in a small village outside London, times were tough. People were poor and they worked hard just to scrape by. It had been a particularly hard winter, and the village was still recovering from the war. People's nerves were frayed as they prepared to settle down for the hard winter season. Unfortunately, things took a turn for the worse when people began to see a mysterious creature around town. Rumors swirled in the town. It was said that a tall figure clad in all white roamed the village. It would attack people on occasion and scratch them up. People wondered what the ghost could be, and it was decided it was probably a man who committed suicide a year before. They believed that his soul was not at peace, so he was seeking his revenge here on Earth. A few of the braver men tried to patrol areas, and soon, one day, a patrolman saw a figure clad all in white. 
The man screamed at the figure, what are you? And promptly shot his gun. The bullet hit the figure in the jaw and he went down hard. Unfortunately, it turned out that the creature was not so mysterious. It was a man who lived in town and made his living as a bricklayer. The man who shot him, Smith, was promptly arrested and eventually found guilty for murder. Later, the king commuted the sentence to a year's hard labor. The end. Okay, so this is 1803. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I, I, I don't know if you picked up on this, but the man was clad all in white. So, um, why was he clad all in white? Like, wouldn't it be hell to have garments that were white? I mean, washing clothes were a huge pain. So his daily uniform was very common for bricklayers. At the time, he wore white linen trousers, a white flannel waistcoat, and a white apron. And he was known for having very, very white, very pristine clothes. Um, and it seems like an insane outfit. Once, okay, you're wearing linen pants. Not great for winter. Um, also, if you're a bricklayer, you're getting incredibly dirty every single day. So I'm sure his poor wife had some serious calluses from trying to bleach it constantly. Um, for what it's worth, she told him that he needed to wear a black overcoat. She thought that all white would make people confuse him for the ghost. And apparently that had happened several times before. So um, the, when this happened before, he was walking along and then a carriage went by. Two ladies and a man sat in the carriage, which was very scandalous, I'm sure. And the man said, the man in the carriage says, look, there goes the ghost. And Millwood, this poor bricklayer, says, I'm no more a ghost than you are, which is, I love you, Millwood. And so then Millwood says, how would you like a punch in the head? <laughs> which I didn't see that part coming. <laughs> um, apparently, this part of England is very similar to Brooklyn pre-gentrification or Boston. So uh, let's get into a little background. This happens in Hammersmith, which at the time was more of a village outside London. But since London has basically turned into a sprawling metropolis, it is now considered part of London. It's about five miles away from Buckingham Palace. So um, it, that's obviously not that far. But at the time, it was right on the border of what was considered the countryside. Um, you know, people, for people in America, we think, oh my gosh, five miles is nothing. Um, and it isn't if you're traveling by car. And the problem is like most American cities and suburbs, they're really spread out. Whereas um, England and most of Europe and I don't know, Asia, <laughs> you know, people are packed more together. And that's really, I think, the ideal way to live because that way you can walk everywhere Everyone's close by and you use a lot less land and a lot less resources. So in climate, with climate change looming, um, we really need to consider changing our ways. Back to the story. Uh, in November 1803, rumors started swirling around about a ghost. It was supposedly confronting travelers and sometimes attacking them. And it was basically just wearing a long white shroud. So it actually did have a specific time that it would show up. Um, this is a little bit confusing. So here we go. The official word was that it would show up with the church bell when the church bell rang one o'clock in the morning. However, two major incidents happened at around eight or 10 o'clock. So a little bit off his schedule. And what happened in this case was a pregnant woman was crossing near the churchyard. She reported that a tall white figure rose from the tombstones in the churchyard she ran, but the ghost grabbed her. She fainted and only woke up hours later when her neighbors found her and escorted her home. 
Um, you know, an hours that's a long time to be out. That's not good. Um, I mean, that probably means there's some sort of brain trauma. And she did, in fact, die later. And it was said that she died of fright. Um, but I would I would say not so much. I would say that she probably died of the head injury that knocked her unconscious for hours. And uh, there's no real well way to tell if it's real. Like, we just don't know exactly what happened. Um, so the other report, there was a driver of a wagon carrying 16 people. He was driving the wagon and it was pulled by eight horses. Um, and not it's unclear whether everyone saw it. The driver was so spooked that he hopped out of the wagon and he ran off. He abandoned everyone in the wagon, the horses, everything. He just flat ran off, which is kind of hilarious. Um, there's another case in which we actually have a name, Thomas Groom. So that's a nice specific person. And he describes a scene similar to the pregnant woman. He's cutting through the cemetery, which is just in the churchyard. And someone grabbed him around the neck. Um, Thomas says that the guy popped up from behind a tombstone. The hands whirl around him and Thomas is sure he's going to face the guy, but there's nothing. Um, so that's a little bit confusing. I think Thomas thought that the guy popped up from behind a tombstone so that the guy could surprise him. So Thomas decided to decided to punch what was whatever was there. And he says it was like punching a coat. It felt soft. But of course, he could see nothing. So Eventually, people split. Um, some people avoid the churchyard entirely, and others believe this is just a person wearing a sheet. I mean, this is how it goes, right? Remember when we, a few years ago, we were all really worried about clowns, and then it turned out to be either like made up or teenagers wearing clown masks or something. Anyway, news shows like morning television was absolutely obsessed with it. Um, anyway, <laughs> back to England. Uh, so... It's determined that there is someone just w just wearing a sheet over their head and people are pissed. So a group of men decide to fight back and they form a little neighborhood watch. And they were armed, but it was an 1800s gun, which wouldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Um, you would have to be pretty close to the person, like less than a football field length. And even then, uh, well... I say that, but like you could be, you would have to be pretty close to the person, um, less than a football field length, which, you know, a football field is pretty long, but like if you're hunting something, you want to be a little bit farther away so that they don't attack you. Um, and even when you're that close, there was still a 25% chance it wouldn't hit. Um, so I know a football field's kind of long, and it is when you're running it, but if you see something in the distance, you're probably not going to hit it. Um, they pr they probably had other weapons, too. Um, you know, like, picture Beauty and the Beast, where they grab pitchforks, pitchforks and torches. Very similar. So the murderer guy, the guy that commits the murder, Smith, he is part of the vigilante group. It's been a couple months, and it's all anyone's talking about. And this guy is totally over it. Um, he wants his lovely village to go back to normal. And his name is Francis Smith. And he's 29 years old. I thought he would be older. Um, he definitely looks older. But that's because he's wearing a full three-piece suit and has a mustache. Like, you're going to look older. So Smith is pissed off. And he's determined to get that ghost once and for all. Again, this feels very Beauty and the Beast. We're going to get the beast and take back our town. And according to some reports, he got a little buzz before he went out. 
He had a few drinks, a few little drinkies. And then he goes on patrol. And our victim, Millwood, the bricklayer, he stopped by his mother's house for a chat after work. He spoke with his sister and his mother, so that's nice. And Smith is out patrolling, and he meets up with another guy named Girdler. Now, if you if you would think that if there was a bunch of guys out patrolling, that they would have caught the ghost by now. So this particular village had a million different alleys and streets. It was impossible to cover each and every one. So Girdler is a watchman, and as far as I can tell, he just calls the hour. He's not a cop just to be clear. So at the time, it was very common to have a rotation of men who would just patrol the streets after nine or 10 o'clock and make sure everything is all right. And they call out the time. So Girdler agrees to meet up with Smith once he is done. And it was a particularly dark night. It was so dark that you could barely see a person who was on the other side of the street. So Girdler and Smith come up with a special greeting so that they will recognize the other. This is very, you know, let's synchronize our watches. (laughs) Um, So they have their special greeting. They're excited. They're ready to go on patrol. Meanwhile, Millwood has visited with his family and now he's ready to go home. He leaves the house and he closes the door behind him. His sister sort of follows him. And as she gets to the door, she hears someone yell, damn you. Who are you? I'll shoot you. The sister sees a flash of light from the window and heard a gunshot. She runs out of the house to find her brother lying in the street. So where did Smith go? Well, he ran to the pub. Um, and I'm sure he probably felt victorious and also probably scared out of his mind. He met up with Girdler and maybe they shared a few drinks. Um, we do know that Girdler, Smith, and a few friends went back to the lane to see who he had shot. Which I can't believe he, would, he wouldn't hang, at, hang around initially. You know, it's like taking the mask off and the villain of Scooby-Doo. You have to see what's under there. But apparently Smith was not curious. Um, in his limited defense, he was he couldn't really see and he was buzzed. So he probably thought it was genuinely something supernatural and he ran away. I do think it says something to his state of mind that he immediately ran up to the pub to get his to get his buddies. I don't know what he was doing. It's definitely interesting. At any rate, they see the guy and Smith is afraid that he has hurt him badly. So maybe he ran to the pub to get help. I don't know. And um, gunshots were a common thing. Girdler said he heard the gunshot while in the pub and thought nothing of it, which is extremely weird when he knows his friend is literally out hunting something. I also think it's weird that Girdler was like, oh, yeah, I'll meet up with you as soon as I'm done with my responsibilities. And instead, he just goes to the pub. Um. But I guess, what is he supposed to do? Wander around the street aimlessly looking for her? I mean, well, but in, <laughs> that's what he promised. So he should do that. Um, certainly, if guns are going off all the time, maybe don't dress like a ghost. I feel like something was just bound to bad. T- I just feel like something was bound to happen. I just feel like something was bound to happen. However, just because you're wearing white doesn't mean you deserve to get shot. All right, so they're examining the body, and they find that the bullet has struck Millwood in the jaw. So they carry him to the pub. Girdler picks him up, takes him to the pub, which is where everyone is. The coroner was there, and he summoned a surgeon. They both examined him, and the coroner eventually pronounced it willful murder. They take Smith, who is inconsolable, to the Old Bailey, which we know is just an ancient criminal court. 
And 10 days later, which is incredible to me, I mean, that's so fast, they start the trial. So Smith swears up and down that, yes, I did shoot him, but I didn't mean to kill an innocent person. This was just a terrible mistake, which, you know, tell that to his family. Um, He pled not guilty because to him, he did not murder that man. And for what it's worth, he seemed very sorry. The record shows that he had trouble standing on his own and he could barely get any words out. Um, which, you know, not all defendants act like that. Remember Diane Downs, the woman who killed her kids because her boyfriend didn't want kids. She was singing along when they played some song and her lawyer was like, cut it out. This is not appropriate. (laughs) Which is super inappropriate. Um, In like her limited defense, obviously she did it. However, I'm just saying that whenever I'm watching a crude, whenever I'm watching a true crime thing and the cops are like, Oh, well he or she just didn't quite act right. I tend to think that no one really does. Um, Like you can't, everyone acts a little bit differently. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I would be super stoic because that's just sort of my personality. So anyway, I feel bad for this guy. Maybe I shouldn't, but I do. Uh, He made poor choices every step of the way, but he was trying to help the people in his town. And this is the 1800s. You don't have a lot of choices. Um, he did testify. He said that he saw a white figure called out to it and became so frightened. He shot at it. He was panicked and in fear. So he fired the gun. Um, which you think the jury would be on his side because every single piece of evidence seems to corroborate that story. But this is where the judge really steps in. He says that nothing in this case could make the charge anything less than murder. And he gives a little metaphor. He says that if a man goes with the intent to shoot a highway robber and does so, but the robber turns out to be a regular guy, not a robber, then it's murder. Um, and that and that Smith, as much as he wanted to help, was not entitled to go out with a gun and shoot the person. So, I mean, based on that instruction, the jury finds him guilty of manslaughter. And unfortunately, that wasn't an option. The judge was like, no, 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 that's not an option. He's either guilty of murder or not guilty. He even said if the guy had been a ghost pretender guy, it would still be murder. So the jury came back and they said he was guilty of murder. And he was sentenced. Uh, The judge basically was like, I'm going to give them the instructions to find you guilty, but I'm not going to deal with this nightmare So he forwards it to the crown who ordered a a respite during pleasure. And that means as far as I can tell, it means a pardon pleasure during justice carried out on behalf of her. As far as, as from what I can tell, it means a pardon. Um, And that's exactly what happened. It's like, it's like the precursor to a pardon. Like it's like, you know, he's going under it's the case is going under review. So King George III pardons him like two weeks later, and he was basically sentenced to one year of hard labor instead of death. All of that, I don't know. It kind of sounds appropriate to me. Like it does sound like he should have been found guilty of murder because that's what it was. However, it seems like his sentence, well, I'm not a fan of the death penalty. So I don't know, maybe he could have like, in order to pay restitution to the family because now she's totally without the widow is without any means. I don't know. 
I'm definitely absolutely not saying that he should have been killed. Like, no way you do not have the right to kill anybody. I just want that to be really clear. Um, so let's get to the part, the part that everyone wants to know. Who is the ghost? Um, they sort of found out who it was. So one man named Graham, who was a shoemaker, he was arrested. And he admitted that he did dress up as a ghost to spook some of his apprentices. He did it because they had teased his kids earlier and told them ghost stories. So um, is he the ghost? Well, maybe. He says he only did it once, but he was seen multiple times. And even Girdler remembered him. He says that he saw him too. And in a weird detail, he sang in the choir and even sang at Millwood's funeral, which is really weird considering he was the one actually dressing up as a ghost. And then after Graham confesses, the Hammersmith ghost fades away. Which, my personal opinion is I think there are multiple people. I don't think he would hug a pregnant woman until she fainted. And um, to add to this, about 20 years later, the ghost reappeared. But this time, he breathed fire. This guy, uh, he was caught and sent to jail. Good. And then about 100 years later, the ghost appears again. This one has long claws that can climb fences and walls. Which is creepy. So some people really think there is a ghost and he appears like every 50 years and roams the churchyard, uh, but no more people pretending to be ghosts. So I don't know. I mean, they haven't had any action in a long time. That's good. Um, yeah, we don't want people running around scaring people. It's not cool because you never know how people are going to react. So I hope everyone enjoyed this little abbreviated episode um i hope you found this interesting and uh listeners tell us what you think you can tweet at us over at miss and movies or email us at miss and movies at gmail.com we're also on instagram um and uh we'll see you in two weeks all right see you later bye If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review. It helps more people find us and keeps our show going. If you would like early access to episodes, consider joining our Patreon. The link is in the show notes. As always, we know you have many choices when you pod, so thank you for choosing us.